Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. Well, good morning, First Family. I know many of you, like me, your voices are probably hurting this morning after yelling so much last night in the Astros game. Um, about the sixth inning, I looked at my wife and I said, we have a problem. And she's like, what? And I was like, I can't speak right now. My throat is hurting really badly. What do I do? And so I went to do all the remedies and gargled salt water and, you know, do some of those things. But yeah, I was screaming. I was like, I just need to calm down. Stop yelling. We got this. But I hope everyone uh, is having a good morning or was because I'm about to offend everyone in here. And you're going to be very mad at me. And I wanted to apologize up front. Uh, we are talking about everyone's favorite subject this morning. And if you haven't figured it out already, we're going to be talking about money. And all the guests in the room just now like, oh, God, I had to come on this day. This is the day that I chose to come. Uh, I was joking with Pastor Ed when I was uh, preparing this message. I was like, I feel like you left this week on purpose just so I had to preach on money. And we joked about that a little bit, but uh, in, in all honesty, uh, this is going to be a hard message to hear, and it's going to be a hard message to preach, but I wanted to remind you, these are not my words. These are the words of James, and these are the words of our Heavenly Father. And so if you feel like you're being offended, ask yourself, why am I being offended? Is it maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to teach me something today? That's what's so amazing about a book study is that when you, when you start in verse 1 or chapter 1, verse 1 and go throughout a whole book, you can't skip over things that are difficult. You have to handle with care the difficult text. And we can't just skip over this and get to the love and the cool parts and the easy parts to preach. And we have to wrestle with them. And so that's what I'm hoping that we do today is we wrestle with these truths and that uh, my prayers that I handle with care the, the, the text that I've been given. But before we get to all that, and before you get really mad at me, I need to brag on you for a second to relieve the tension a little bit, right? So Pastor Ed says all the time that you are the most loving and generous church this side of heaven, and I completely believe that. You know, my position here at the church is missions and pastoral care. Uh, I get to witness firsthand a lot of your faithfulness, that every time we have a missions goal out there, you exceed it. Whether it be shoeboxes that we're collecting, whether it be uh, donations for Bibles for Tanzania, whether it be our annual uh, offerings to Mary Hill Davis and all those, you constantly, uh, over and above, exceed what you were tasked with, what you're challenged with. And that just shows your love, that shows your generosity. But I wanted to bring to account maybe a ministry that you don't know about. And so that is our Fresh Start ministry. And if you don't know what that is, anytime someone comes to the church with any need, the Fresh Start ministry meets with them, counsels them, and helps them with that. Whether it be an energy bill, a medical bill, uh, automobile repair, anything. And because of your faithfulness, because of your continued giving, we never have to turn someone away. That everyone that comes for help gets help. And not only that, they get Jesus. 
And that's the most important part. And that's, I just need to brag on you for a second and, you know, pat yourself on the back for a second. Give yourself a round of applause because it's about to get real. So, for today's message, we're talking about money, but I want to kind of look at it from a different perspective. And, and what I mean by that is, is I think that James is actually talking about more than just money. And we'll kind of understand that as we go throughout the rest of this text. And he's just using money as like the lens or the context at which we look at this, uh, this topic. And so that leads me to my big idea for the day. And if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to walk out of here being able to know this statement. Everything we have comes from God. Everything that you have right now comes from God and has been entrusted to you. Yes, that includes your money, but it, it's so much more than that. It includes your time, your energy, your families, your, the jobs that you have, the homes that you live in, the neighbors that God has put next to you. Everything you have has been entrusted to you by God. And I think sometimes we forget that. We think that we're the ones that have earned the things that we have, and it's up to us what we do with them. But I think that what James is trying to do today, and the camera guy is probably going crazy right now because I move a lot. I just see myself there and it's like boop, 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 boop. So I'm just excited. I'm excited this morning because the truth is that James is going to force us to look at ourselves in the mirror and answer two really important questions. What do I value most and what am I doing with what I have? What do I value most and what am I doing with what I have? And so before we get into our main text today, I want to go back for a second. I want to remind everyone of the author of the book of James and the audience of the book of James. So look quickly with me on the screen. James chapter 1, verse 1. It says, This letter is from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. So I wanted to go back and give us some context because I think when we're in a long series like this, we can kind of lose track of where we're at, right? We can lose track of, you know, is, who's the audience? Okay, who's the author? And, and so the author is James, and he calls himself the half-brother of Jesus, but more importantly, he says, I am a slave to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. So right off the bat, James is not bragging about his status. Let's say this right now. If I was writing a letter to you and I was the brother of Jesus, I would be bragging about that. Like, well, I'm the brother of Jesus. Obviously, you have to listen to me because of who I am and what I've done and what I've accomplished. But he does it. He actually says, I am a slave. Jesus, God, they are my master. And I am their servant. That's important. And then secondly, who is the audience? It's the 12 tribes, the Jewish believers that are scattered abroad. And, and it's so interesting because whenever I was younger in my faith, I was like, why were they scattered? And so if you do any kind of research, you find out very quickly that they are scattered because of intense persecution. The Roman government is literally burning them at the stake, crucifying them upside down and torturing them because of what they believe in. And so, out of fear, they're scattered. 
And that's very important because right off the bat, we understand that the book of James is written to a people that are living in places that are not their own. They're living with people that are not their own. They're living in cultural contexts that they're not used to. They're living in places with different moral standards and different moral values. And so I believe that the book of James as a whole is really trying to tell us one central thing. Be different from the world around us. And when he's talking to the Jewish believers, he's telling them, hey, I know, I know you're in places that are not your home. Be different than them. Be different than them. So the truth is, is that we're supposed to be different from the world. Every one of us, if you call yourself a Christ follower, you are supposed to be different than the world. But so often, we find ourselves acting and reacting just like them. We find ourselves in circumstances and acting just like an unbelieving, lost person that doesn't know God. And we're supposed to be different, but we find ourselves doing the exact same things as everyone else. And so I believe that James is trying to get us to understand something very important. He's saying, guys, knock it off. Be different than everyone else. That is what is so powerful about the book of James, is that, yes, it wasn't written to us, we're not the audience, but I believe that it was written for us. And there are some very practical truths that we can apply to our lives and say, okay, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to not do that, but for what purpose? So the world will see that I'm different and want what I have. So that we'll have an opportunity to show them the gospel. So real quick, quickly, as we go into our text today, I'm going to just let you know, James is not going to pull any punches. And he's going to say some things that are going to be hard to hear. Let them be hard. Wrestle with them. Look at yourself in the mirror and let these words challenge you. James chapter 1, or sorry, James chapter 5, verse 1. It says, look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away at your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. Okay, everyone, take a deep breath. I get it. That's, that's difficult to hear, and it's just some hard, hard truths, but he's not pulling any punches, but I think it's so important to understand what he's saying here. He is telling us, guys, you can't count on money because it will fade away. It will rust. It will rot, and in fact, even more so than that, for those that have stored up your treasures on earth, so to speak, it will testify against what you didn't do with it. It'll testify against what you didn't use your money for, and that is to build up the kingdom of God. So just, I just want you to, um, just, just, just for a second, because I know, I, I feel it from some of you all in this room, you're maybe thinking, this message isn't for me because I'm not rich. This is for my neighbor. I really wish so-and-so was here to hear this. Um, in the grand scheme of the world economy, every single one of us in this room is rich. 
There are people in this world that are living on like less than 50 cents a day. It's, it's said that if you chose the clothes that you're wearing today, then you're considered rich. I know for some of you husbands, maybe your wives dressed you, still counts. Still counts. And if you, cho- if you chose which car you wanted to drive to church today, you're considered you're loaded, right? So don't, don't just say, well, this message isn't for me. Because remember, the context is money, but James is talking about so much more. I want to turn the page a little bit and start getting, you know, you've been, I've been teasing it a little bit, so let's get into it now. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19, when Jesus talks about money, he, we kind of discover what's really going on here. It says, don't store up your treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, look at this, this is huge. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus and James talk almost identical about money. And they're pointing to a very important truth. Number one, our money will not last. Earthly money will not last last. Just look at the Egyptians and their temples and all of their luxury that they lived in. All of that money and all those possessions and all those things are still there and they're dead. They took none of it with them. It's all moth-eaten. It's all destroyed. It's all corroded. It's all pretty much useless at this point. And then secondly, what we value most is what we spend our time on what we spend our energy on, what we spend our resources on. This is where your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart. They're trying to get us to understand that money can make us comfortable and solve many problems, but it's a terrible God. It's a terrible God and it will never satisfy Real quickly, I want to jump back to James chapter 5, verse 3, and this is the heart of our message today. I do not want you to miss this because it is so easy to just walk right over this verse and not even think about it. Verse 3, it says, Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away at your flesh like fire. Did you count what's going, did did you see what's happening there? The money you were counting on. What were they counting on? Their money. What were they not counting on? God. So James is talking about so much more than money here. He's trying to get to the heart of it and say, hey, where do you really value? What do you really value? What do you really care about here? Where do you go to for your satisfaction? Where do you go to for your comfort? Where do you go to when everything is messed up in your life and nothing is going the way you thought it would go? Because if it's anything other than God, it's idolatry and it's sinful and it's wrong and it needs to change. That is what is going on here. Money is our context, but God and I want you to get to the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue. Let's go continue our text in James chapter 5 verse 4. It says, for listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. 
The cries of those who harvested, harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who did not resist you. These are harsh words. These are harsh words to hear. And James is continuing his assault on the early on the believers that are scattered. And he's saying, guys, you're acting just like the world. You're living just like the world. You're doing exactly what the world does. You're valuing exactly what the world does. And it wasn't enough that you've stored up these treasures on earth. It's not enough that you're looking to them for your satisfaction. Not only that, you've cheated and killed to gain more wealth. You value earthly things more than you value the Father. More than you value the Father. I want you to think about this for a second. So we have to understand the audience and the context. They're scattered, right? They're not in Jerusalem anymore. They're not living with people that grew up with the same values and the same uh, traditions and the same morals. They're scattered all over the world. And probably, more than likely, they're beginning to adopt the customs of the cultures they're living in. They're beginning to value the things that the rest of the people that they're with value. And I believe that James is writing this letter to them and ultimately to us today because we're living in a place that is not our home. This earth is not our home. I don't know if you know that, but we're just kind of passing through. And ultimately, when we get to heaven, that will be our home. We are surrounded by people that value things differently than us, that have different standards and different morals than us. And we are called to be different than them for the sake of the gospel. And so James is saying, guys, knock it off. Be different. You are supposed to be the ones that show Christ to the world, not act just like the world. Be different. In our culture, we've heard um, the, the concept of money is power or money is influence. And whoever has the most money has the most power and has the most influence. But there's a little short story in the Gospel of Mark that flips that whole concept on its head. It's a story of the widow's might, and I want to turn there very quickly because I think it's extremely important. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. I think this is why I relate to Jesus so much, because he was a people watcher. I'm a people watcher, you know? People do some weird stuff when people, you don't know that you're being watched. So just remember that. So Jesus is sitting here. He's people watching, people putting money in the offering at the temple. He says, many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins, or other the, the widow's mite, as it's called. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all of the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor, she, poor as she is, gave everything she had to live on. So when you look at this story on the surface, the widow did not give more money. She gave a very, very little amount. 
But I think that Jesus gathers his disciples around because he wants to teach them something very important. And that truth is that things work differently in God's kingdom. Things work differently in God's kingdom. I think what he's trying to say is that God is more concerned with our hearts than he is with our money. God is more concerned with why we're giving, not the amount that we're giving. So she gave everything she had in knowing that she would be taken care of. I believe that the book of James is trying to tell us we're supposed to be different than the world. It's not all about money. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. So I want you to think about something for a second. Maybe ask yourself this as you're sitting here. What are you leveraging your resources for? What are you leveraging your time, your energy, your spiritual gifts, your jobs, your families? What are you leveraging those things for? You have been entrusted with everything you have. What are you doing with that? Are you using them to build up your own kingdom? Are you using them to acquire more money, more power, more influence? Or are you using them to build up God's kingdom? It's a tough question. And it's very easy to get stuck in building up your own kingdom. And that's what I think is so important about texts like this, because it forces us to be like, you know what? I do value money more than I value God. I do value my time and my energy more than I value God. It's time to change that. This whole story, it, it, this whole concept, it reminds me of the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. And so let's pick up in verse 14. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, he gave two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. So did y'all catch what just happened there? Whose money was it? it? It was the master's money, and he entrusted it to the three servants. And he entrusted it to them in proportion to the abilities that they had. See, a lot of times you read the stories like, well, I mean, the guy with five bags of silver, he had more ability than the guy with one bag. Yeah, he did. But it doesn't mean that the, the guy with one bag of silver is off the hook. He had abilities to steward and use the resources of the master appropriately, and he chose not to. He chose not to. They all had abilities. They were all entrusted with the master's money. And so as we, we advance in the story, we see that the servant with five bags doubled it. And the servant with two bags doubled it. And when the master came home from the trip, he looked at them and said, I'm pleased. You leveraged your resources that I gave you well. And you increased my money. But when he comes to the servant who had one bag, he's angry. Let's look at verse 24. It says, then the servant with one bag of silver came, to the came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Look at this favor that I've done for you. I, I didn't lose any of it. 
But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest off of it. So the master comes back from his trip and he's angry. And he's angry because the servant decided to do nothing. He didn't leverage his abilities. He didn't use the gifts he had to increase the master's money. He was afraid and he hid it and he did nothing. And the master was angry. Verse 28, the master speaking, he said, Then he ordered, take the money from the servant, from this servant, and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. Listen to this. But from those who do nothing, even the little that they have will be taken away. You're probably sitting there like, why are you using this verse? I don't, I don't get it. I'm not making the connection. So I believe that this is a beautiful picture of what we're called to do as Christ followers. That each of us in this room has some level of skills or gifts or abilities. You listening online or you listening to the podcast, you have abilities. Some of them are greater than others, yes. But that's what's so beautiful about the kingdom of God. Is that there are things that I cannot do that God has gifted you with. And when we use those gifts together as a body of Christ with one goal of making much of who he is and building the kingdom of God, everything changes. But this servant decided to not leverage his gifts and hid it away. So I think that we're we're talking here that we're called to be different than the world. Are we using what we have to be different than the world? Are we building up our kingdoms or are we building up God's kingdom? So I think when we have the perspective that everything we have is God's, it changes how we live. It changes what we do with what we have. It changes how we use the gifts and abilities that we have. So what I want you to do with this message is we do every week, we, we like to end with the next step challenges or, or questions we want you to wrestle with. And so I have three questions today that I want you to wrestle with. And I hope that it'll help you apply this message to your life. But the truth is, is I I can't answer the questions for you. I can't look in the mirror next to you and say, yeah, that's what you got to do right there. That's it. That's the thing. You have to do that. Just like I have to answer these questions for myself. So the first question is this, what in my life am I running to for comfort or satisfaction that isn't God? So so quickly in life, we can just get caught up in just the race of things and schedules and tasks, and we can find ourselves trying to find comfort in earthly things. A lot of the times, we don't even do it on purpose. It just happens. It's time to discover those idols that are in our lives and push them to the side and let our face look upon the only one that will ever truly satisfy and the Father. The second question is, am I different from the world I encounter daily? Am I different from the world? Am I, or am I different from the people I encounter every day? Sorry. 
See, James wrote this letter to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. We, we've been talking about this this whole time, that they're in places that are not their home, and he's pleading with them to be different. I don't know about you. Um, you if you know me really well, you know this, but some of you are about to be really shocked. I'm extremely introverted. Like, I would much rather be over there in my little room hosting online and not being up around the stage. But the, what I have to ask myself is if I refuse to be different than the world, then how will Jesus ever, how would the world ever, ever see Jesus in me? If I'm too scared of being different and standing out, how will the world ever see Jesus in me? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Are we so concerned with what people think that we're unwilling to be different to show them Jesus? The third and final question, what are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what you've been given? This is where the rubber meets the road, and this is where we have to be really honest with ourselves and say, am I using everything I have to bring glory to God? Am I using all of my resources? And am I leveraging the things that I've been given for the master? See, don't get caught up in what the world says to value. Don't get caught up in what everyone else is doing and everyone else trying to build up their own kingdom because it's all they have. We as Christ followers have so much more than this earth. And we can show them that there is so much more than this earth. That we were made for a kingdom. We were made for a king. Everything on this earth will fade. It will rust. It will decay. And we'll bring none of it with us. None of it with us. So just, just imagine for a second, if every one of us in here and every one of us watching online, we chose to make the, we, we made the choice, you know what, I'm going to take this message seriously, and I'm going to live out with the reality, the perspective that everything I have comes from the Lord, and I'm going to leverage that for God's kingdom. If we made that choice, it would change everything. I've been studying the early church a lot lately and kind of how it happened, like how it all kind of came together. And it's such an interesting thing that the early church with zero authority, zero power, zero resources, zero governmental help, in the face of immense persecution, exploded. And we're literally sitting here today because of the faithfulness of the early church. How did that happen? It makes no sense. There's no logical reason why the church exploded. It should have just died and with all the people that were there at the time, it should have just died with them, but it didn't. Why? Because they chose to be different. They chose to be different. They chose to use everything they had for the glory of God. It happened back then. It, it exploded back then because of the faithfulness of the believers. It could happen again today. But it's going to start with each of us in this room and each of us online individually saying, everything I have, God, is from you, and I will use everything I have to bring you glory, and I choose to be different. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this time, and I pray as we sing this last song and as we sit maybe and just wrestle with these truths, God, that we just wouldn't just 
go about our day and go on to the next thing, that we would just sit and rest and wrestle with these truths, God. Not because I said it, but because of your Holy Spirit's tugging on our hearts in this very moment. Or that we are called to be different. We are called to use everything we have for your glory and to build your kingdom. Lord, help us. Help us discover those areas of our lives that we're looking to for comfort and satisfaction that are not you and do away with them right now in this place. Lord, we just thank you so much and just pray all these things in your son's name.